Well, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's Roscoe here, your host. We're sitting alongside virtually, of course, the Rocket Man. How are you, son? You're well. I'm going to play your music. <laughs> oh, it never gets old, that music. It always makes makes you smile and it makes me smile, that, that uh, music, Rocket. All of it. Your tune, my tune, you know. This week, I'm unofficially brought to you by the Cleveland Classics TA588 uh, satin finish uh, wedges. Okay. Do you have a set of those, uh, Rocket? I do. Really? Yes. Well, good chat on the old clubs. Uh, was that last week? It was last yeah, week? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was last Maybe week. I, think, <laughs> I was thinking about it tonight. I thought... Oh, what what clubs what clubs have I had before that I can be unofficially sponsored by this week? And I'm thinking, if I say it again, are we going to, you know, go down the rabbit hole of equipment for another thirty minutes again? <laughs> we probably could, but uh, we won't. But won't be it, hard. It did get me uh, g'd up about some old gear, and what did I pull out and regrip? Uh, it was the TaylorMade Burner uh, Tour Preferred seven mm-hmm. seven degree. X Flex acquired in 1987 in Palm Springs, and uh, my host father gave that to me. And for whatever reason, it has followed me all those years since uh, those many many years. It's still there, and I I took it out and regripped it. It was you and Porter that was uh, hitting one. He had the same club, and he posted something on Twitter about hitting the old TaylorMade burner. And you know the one that I'm talking about, the really tiny, yeah. like their first sort of really small metal head. You look at it now, and it's it's like the uh, other old club that I just acquired during the week, the Titleist PT13. You know that t- that three wood? Wow. Yeah, and I've got one of those. It's up on the wall there, uh, Rocket. It's in that bag hanging on the wall. How do you like the new surroundings? It's very good. It's very good. You've gone to a lot of effort. It's magnificent. I was telling you before that one thing leads to another and that's how things roll and like our conversations with old clubs – uh, something on Sunday led to, to one thing and it was the matter of just putting my hands on a suitcase which led to the rearranging of the uh, the, 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 the studio and you know, talking about things, time's gone by, Rocket. We've talked about this before but this is next level for me. I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in a soundproof booth now. I've got the Clark rubber and this isn't a sponsorship for Clark because I had to pay for it and the bloke made me buy two sheets of this rubber stuff, not the one that I needed. So I'm, he, he's getting a sheet coming back to him tomorrow. Uh, I've lined the booth here in, in uh, and I'm telling you this because there's a whole heap of new Australian golf podcasters. You know, this is a, this is the benchmark here um, in, in this foam eggshell stuff, soundproof sort of stuff to, you know, mute the, 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 the the reverberations, as I think they call it in podcast world. Obviously, you've got the mic and everything that we've, we've had for a while. You just need a ring light now. It's coming. It's coming because, as, as you can see, you know, you, know you, you and I are on Zoom and we're not going to publish this on, on YouTube or whatever, but uh, it's a bit dark, so the, the ring light's coming. I can't believe I just said ring light in public, but uh, <laughs> it's late. I have kept you back, Rocket. I have kept you back with uh, resetting this up where I'm sitting and just to keep describing it for the people that are listening. Uh, I've now got this padded soundproof booth. and But the whole reason for getting the soundproof booth was to get this nice new backdrop behind me. And and you can see it, Rocket, but the, the listeners obviously can't. But I've taken a photo and Mike Cocking said... When I get his PK watercolour limited edition number 15 of, I think it's 100 or something, uh, that, that you had the opportunity to buy as a member, uh, to send him a picture. And I wasn't able to take a picture of it because A, it wasn't hanging on the wall, and B, I had to do a whole heap of rearranging to get it onto the wall. So now it's sitting behind me. Uh, over there I've got my caddy mags, the golfer's journal, a whole host of other golf books in a little... Uh, you know, I think every podcaster that has a video has to have a book thing behind them. So I've got the books behind me, and then I've got two ba- two golf clubs, uh, sets of golf clubs hanging on the wall, Rocket, in uh, those um, American bags, uh, uh, Jones bags, golfers gargoyles, golfers gargoyles. I like it. So there we go. That's what I've been doing today, and that's why I've kept you back because I didn't want to talk until I had finished the new arrangement. Not quite finished. I've got the Kim Kardashian uh, glow ring coming to get the lighting right, 
Uh, I think I might have some some other little accoutrement coming as well from from uh, Kogan. Once again, not a not a not a sponsorship, but uh, that's where I buy the cheap stuff, Rocket, because I'm a pretty cheap guy. Um, so yeah. Anyway, let's crack on with it. Yep. Wasn't a bad weekend's golf. It was really good. I had plenty of content. Plenty right. of content. Right. So what what stuck up in the uh, what got up your nose? Well, not so much got up my nose, but Sergio, Sergio has completed the Salvation Tour. <laughs> He's completed the Salvation Tour. Goodbye, fried chicken. Hello, chicken mignon. Because he won the uh, Sanderson Farms. The Sanderson Farms. Yep. Yep. So if I had more time, I would have had a chicken noise loaded up for that, but I don't because I've got the. I can press a button and get a noise, but I didn't have the chicken noise loaded up. I'm gonna have to delegate the noises to you, Rocket, from now on. <laughs> I just make them. <laughs> it's, this is great. Yeah, like this is great. That's a Tuesday night late flipping, and we haven't even had a beer. Nope. Well, I, I haven't had a beer in 10 years, so uh, I'd, I'd hate to see if I did oh, have I haven't had one for you. <laughs> you haven't had one for me. <laughs> You've been banned from alcohol on the podcast since you went wild turkey. You've gone cold turkey on the wild turkeys. I stuck a few in on Friday night. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so, um, so, Sergio, he's completed the Salvation Tour. Let's wind it back for a second. So someone who's just picked up this uh, podcast in – you know, in America or the UK, we, we, we're quite popular in the UK for, for a little independent Australian podcast and appreciate the guys in the UK that listen. But just to explain what the Salvation Tour is. Uh, Sergio redeeming his um, reputation from all the way back to last year in Dubai when he took a couple of um, D12 bulldozers to a bunker, um, scuffed about four or five greens that he's a you know, fellow playing partners and other groups behind him had to sort of putt over. Um, and this was just the continuation of just Sergio being just complete Sergio. So, you know, he had his advisors out for the last sort of 12 months. He sort of, you know, his, his form petered out. You know, COVID helped, you know, remove him from, from the world. And um, unfortunately, his family was uh, affected or impacted and this win is for them. So the Sergio Salvation Tour is completed. Thus, goodbye fried chicken. Hello, chicken mignon. Chicken mignon. <laughs> Why chicken mignon? I don't know. We've gone from something fancy and anyone that uh, understands the Sergio, they'll understand me referencing goodbye fried chicken. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk about salvation. You, you went back to Dubai last year. The oh, it's one of the many. The he, has a, he has a decade of decadence. Yeah. There's a there's a video kicking around at the moment, obviously, on the back of him winning, uh, showing every indiscretion of Sergio <laughs> over the journey. Which I still think the best one is, I think, the driver he threw at the British Open that hit his brother. Yeah. Who was on the bag? <laughs> and the, the one where he sends it off into the bush, and there's a whole host of Sergio things. He, he's, he's still a very polarizing you know people a lot of people love him a lot of people love Sergio because he's a he because he's up and down uh you never know what you're going to get and at the same time he is still this is the thing he's still one of the most talented golfers on the planet like you only have to look at his statistics for the week he led he led Peter Green his ball striking is amazing can be inconsistent, but when he's on, like he is something special to watch. And the only thing that really lets him down can be his putting. And obviously this week he's come up with, you know, closing his eyes. You know. Now, in your investigative uh, podcast, journalism, uh, journal, journalism um, that's not even a word, but anyway, you know what I mean. Uh, what did you investigate and find out about the putting with the eyes closed rocket? I don't know. Maybe it's a metaphor for his, basically how he's been on and off the field. Can't see the forest for the trees. Okay, well, that's deep. Um, but was he putting with his eyes closed all the time, or was it just short I don't ones? Know. I long? think it was a bit random. I think it was one of those things where if he wasn't feeling hundred percent comfortable, then he's just closing his eyes. It's not too bad when you hmm. think about it. You, all you're trying to do is you're trying to remove the sensory stuff by watching 
you know, your putter or your stroke or you think about your stroke. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. get I get it. You know, having you know tried to use it in practice numerous times. I I think it's fantastic as a drill. I, I could never take it onto the course, but you know what? I love a story when someone has the kahunas to take something like that onto the course and win. Jamie Glazier and I spoke to Gabby Ruffles, and I think you did you listen to that uh, yep. podcast? So on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, if you are listening in one of the far-off uh, flung destinations like the UK or, or the US, jump over and listen to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast with Jamie Glazier and myself. Uh, I just push a button and press record and play a theme tune, and, and that's about it. But Jamie Glazier is uh, the master. He's a guru with... Uh, all of the stuff that he does. And we had Gabby Ruffles on that podcast uh, recently, just the other she weekend. She was awesome. She was awesome. What a what a wonderful talent and what a wonderful young ambassador for You're Australia. the best Ruffles. Okay. Well, well she, she is at the moment. But uh, down. <laughs> anyway, linking that back to the Sergio story, she tells a great story where, you know, she was getting very technical with the swing. And in practice for the Riversdale Cup, Jamie had her making shots without hitting, uh, t- without taking a practice swing. And she was oh, firing nice. everything. And then lo and behold, she takes that into the Riversdale Cup. Now, the Riversdale Cup, for those that you don't know, is one of the biggest, most prestigious um, world ranking amateur events in Australia. Uh, it's one of the few with um, world amateur ranking points. And she took that into the into the Riversdale Cup, finished third as about a f- the 14 or 15-year-old, 15, 16-year-old. Yeah. She was young. Um, and didn't take a practice swing the whole four rounds. It was unbelievable. I think so, Ryan finished second that year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a massive fan. For someone that can make a change like that, take it in and then perform. Well, it's like the Bads. Bads with his putting. Stands behind it, has sort of like he's looking at the hole. He's not. He's sort of just having a stroke and then he basically just rolls up to it and he just pulls the trigger. Yep. You're trying to, you know – that's the thing, right? It's, it's all about in the mind. You know, the, the less amount of time you can think about stuff and you're just starting to execute on your muscle memory. Well, we'll leave, I'll leave that stuff for Jamie to talk about. But what I did note, talking, coming back to Sergio, if he had the no eyes uh, putting going, he definitely didn't have the no hands hitting going. I saw a video and he re-gripped or fidgeted, I don't know what it, what you call it, but he gripped the club, you know, with that gripping motion that he does, 15 times. It's better than it used to be. 15 times? Better than it used to be. I, I think it was like middle of, so around about 2003 to 2007, it was bad. It was really, really bad. To the point where I, I you almost legitimately thought – was the dude actually having a, like a mini stroke while he's over the ball? Like he looked like he was just, I don't know what was happening. It looked really bad. Like he was frozen. It's like he had the yips with his grips. It is once again, you know, having experienced most things that everyday golfers like you and I go through, you know, a little bit of yips. I've, I've avoided that, but I can feel them coming and I can usually sort of move away from them. I've felt most things, but, Gripping the clubs like 15, 16 times, there's obviously still a ton going on upstairs. But he has this yep. unbelievable talent that just overcomes, can overcome that. On yep. imagine if he didn't have that, how good he could have, you know, can be, could have been, you know, like I don't know. It might be just, I reckon half of it is just one of those, it's just this ingrained thing where it's, he's, I don't know, it's almost like he's just trying to feel comfortable. Yeah. Oh, he still hit the ball like a machine. Did you see the shot he hit in the last? Uh, yeah. My goodness. It was pretty good, eh? No no wonder the, you see the smile on his face as he's marking the ball. Oh, I think he was even still thinking to himself, oh, my God, how good was that? <laughs> how good am I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love to be able to do a um, Connor Moore uh, Sergio impersonation. That's that's my goal. After Now I've got this... Uh, now we've stopped doing podcasts in the in the car rocket at nine o'clock in the laneways of Melbourne, pointing a digital recorder at, at car audios, and now we've moved yeah. into a soundproof booth. I've invested in a Blue Yeti and a pop filter. And a pop filter. Jeepers. And 
some Bose headphones. They're cordless white Bluetooth ones, probably at that. I've, I've, these, I've had these for a while. These are the ones, the noise cancelling ones I uh, I fly with. Maybe we might have to take. Yeah, it's, uh, maybe so we could, could. Could we do some impersonations? Anyway, once again, it's late. Obviously, we're getting silly. Uh, what else <laughs> happened in that tournament? Uh, unfortunately, our young Australian man Cam Davis um, leading into the final round and just lapsed. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but it was sort of like it was almost the tale of his of his week. He'd have um, actually no, it was the third round. You know, no, it was the final round. So you know, he started off really well, shot six under in the first round. Then he shoots one over in the second round. Then he has an absolute blinder in the third round. That's 63, which could have been lower again because he turned one under. Oh, no, not one under. I mean five under. Um, and then on the last day, just came out of the gate, just didn't do anything, really didn't do anything. And, you know, he seemed like he was battling with his swing. So it seemed like he had this up and down, one one great day, one really bad day. Um, so it was a bit of a shame. The, the, the beauty is he still finished, even though he shot even par, he still finished tied for six. So it's another good check. Yep. Um, you know, he had that oh, like a little mini collapse a couple of weeks ago as well. But he had a bit of a bounce back. So, you know, he's still only young, still only 25, I think he is. So, um, yeah, and the thing is, he's like I was going through his stats, and you know, whoever his coach is, you know, if there's one thing he should be working on as soon as they finish like this bit of a fall series, and what he should work on when he comes, let's say if he comes back home for a couple of months, short game, short. He's giving the field like one and a half shots around to just on his short game alone because Tita Green. Ted Green, he's really, really good. Mm. He's really good. Like, he he is already long, doesn't have to bomb it. But ball striking-wise, he's really, really good. But around the greens and on the greens, like, he just gives it up. Like, if he just tightens that up just a little bit, you know, all of a sudden instead of him, you know, having a bad day and shooting 72, his bad day could be shooting 70 or 69. Or when he has a really good day, instead of 60, 67, 66, he's going to have another blinder. Um, and then the rest of his game will flow on. And I reckon that's, that's, the, that's the only thing that's holding him back is that short game. It's just it's the other thing as well. If you have a, start missing a few, you know, if you're not hitting the ball great, then you're just putting more pressure on your short game. And if your short game's not, you know, tickety-boo, then... You know, puts pressure on the rest of your game to be hitting it better. So it's just a bit of a vicious cycle. So hopefully that's the one thing he works on because the kid's got talent. And if he improves his short game, I reckon he'd be someone that could come out of the gates next year and um, probably pick up a wing, a win on the uh, the West that those early tournaments up and through to about March. So that West Coast swing, yeah. I could see him jag something in there. Has this short game always been a challenge or was it? Oh, I've never seen anything statistically wise, um, but I know that it's probably contributed to the up and downs. Mm. You know, so if you go back to the Australian Open, right, what did he shoot? 64 in the final round to, to win by two. Like, so he has the ability to go low. Yeah. Right? So, so um, but it's just getting that consistency. And, you know, I've looked at his statistics over the last couple of years um, that are provided by PGA Tour and the glaring one is the short game. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Uh, talking about short game, Rocket, did you see that uh, I'm now under instruction with the short game? Yes. Mm. Did you see my video that I sent you? No. The Kevin Kisner one? Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Oh, have you? Yeah, giving the... Uh, so simple. Give, so yeah. simple. <laughs> I, lo- I love that video because it makes me realise that there's not, there's more than one person out there that struggles with their short game. Uh, and that poor young man from, what's it, Barstool Sports? Yeah, Barstool's, yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's worse than me. Like, 
But you, but you look at something, you know, look at the kids, right? He just goes, just do this, like a really simple drill, and you see the impact immediately. Yeah. I love I love seeing clips like that because then you see someone like, it's funny, Kevin Kisner, you, you see him play and you just, I don't know, he kind of doesn't leap out. But then you see him do these things that he does with bar stools and um, I think he's done some stuff with the no laying up guys. He's actually a really funny dude. Yeah. Actually did a really he, funny dude. Did he get in trouble recently? Did he say something inappropriate or wrong? Did he get in a bit of trouble? Oh, I think he did a couple of weeks ago, but I paid zero attention to it. Yeah, right. I think it was peak Bryson time at that time, so my, my attention was focused yeah. elsewhere. Uh, yeah, so under instruction with the short game, on the back of the episode of the My Love of Golf podcast last week with Baden Schaff, who was the founder of Skillist. If you listen to that episode, thank you. If you haven't, you should because uh, Baden is you know, a, a very good golf coach uh, and a very talented entrepreneur uh, type fellow in launching this Skillist app. And and when we talked about it, I thought, oh, you know, maybe this time, you know, obviously not playing golf but being at home and got, you know, 10 metres by sort of five metres worth of grass out the back to chip from, I could at least put something down. So I reached out to uh, the main man of Team Herbie, Dom Azapati, who resides up at Parisian Springs up in uh, Queensland, um, renowned short game specialist. Uh, obviously, he's got Herbie short game up to speed. And oh, was that on the weekend? Yeah. And, uh, and lo and behold, here we are. So Dom's had a look. Uh, he didn't like what he, what, he, what he saw. He liked There were some parts that he liked, uh, Rocket, but he's certainly in one skillless lesson uh, sent me down some feedback and some video with instruction and some side-by-side comparisons of what I was doing, which, you know, as a low, lower handicapper, you know, you have a fairly – reasonable understanding of what your deficiencies are and you know had some idea of what I was doing but one when it gets explained and exposed to you you know it becomes glaringly obvious how you know poor an action or poor a movement or poor a way of you know delivering delivering the the sandwich to the to the ball you're doing so a couple of simple things has got me practicing that and hopefully by the time we get back to playing golf uh, I'll at least be chipping with some confidence. I don't, you know, and we, we set a basic sort of premise that, you know, we're not going to change the world, you know, in, in one or two lessons, but, you know, we'll get some consistency. And for me, the big problem, and once again, not wanting to go on about things other than, you know, golf topics at hand, you know, I t- one thing I told Dom is, you know, I'll stand in that backyard and I'll chip for 15 minutes and there'll be 16 things go through my mind sitting there chipping those golf balls. He said, "Well, there's you know, there's your biggest problem right there. So let's just find that thing that works for you. So I'll keep sharing some of that uh, progress with Dom because it's a way of me keeping myself accountable to, to not to you guys, but uh, to me. If I have to share it, I'll share it, and I'm really looking forward to it. And it's not every day you get access to uh, a coach of a European Tour winner, so I'm pretty." Pretty blessed and pretty lucky, and, and thanks, Dom, and he's uh, been very good at wanting to do that project in, in line with Skillist because you can go and get a lesson from Dom on Skillist. Uh, that's the whole point of that discussion. What else uh, in the in US? Peter Malnati, who's he's sort of been popped up before, hasn't he? Rocket, does he popped up somewhere? Yeah, he's poor man's Joel Damon. <laughs> he's the opposite field specialist. There's a really apparently there's a really good story about during the um, players um, uh, sort of council when Matt Kuchar piped up and said that opposite field events shouldn't exist and uh, or shouldn't get a two year tour exemption and um, they shouldn't have FedEx Cup points and apparently Peter Malnati had a meltdown in that said meeting because that's how he's been out at kick out the last five years. With um, opposite field events, opposite field for the people that you know that listen in to us uh, prattling on, but don't un- don't get the opposite field. Oh, so let's say if there's a WGC that we can't watch on television, yep. or um, some of the majors, uh, they'll have a another event on the PGA Tour. So, for example, when what used to happen is that the I think it was when the PGA was on, they would run the Barracuda Championship. Yep. Um, and I think Sanderson sometimes used to be opposite the WGC that used to be at Firestone, which is now at uh, the Swamp. Mm-hmm. 
So back when the schedules, that's how the schedules were. So, and then there's another one which was uh, when the when the Open Championship was on. There was another one in the US that was um, that was run opposite the Open Championship. So if you win one of those, you obviously get this a certain degree of status yeah, and credit. Two-year two yeah. exemption on the PGA Tour. Yep. You know, 600 or 500 FedEx Cup points, only 100 less than the major winner of the British Open. Ah, fair, oh. fair play to them. Big deal, eh? But apart from that, not, nothing else really happened at Sanderson. There's a, you know, Twitch Bradley was thereabouts. Mr. Olympia, he finished tied for fourth. Scott Stallings, that is. Yep. Fittest man on tour. Yep. Um, the Cucumber. Had another good finish. That's uh, Tyler McCumber. And uh, the Hoff tied for six as well. well yeah, so a couple of good players. I love when the uh, when the Hoff uh, gets up there. I don't know why I, fan- I, I don't mind the Hoff. He's, he's all right. He's <laughs> a weird cat. Yeah. Who let, wears green all the time. He's like, he's like the reincarnation of Ken Green. <laughs> I liked when he had the moulet, but I liked when he had the mullet. Oh, I know. I'm I'm not I'm not feeling it at the yeah. moment with the with the short bouffant. Yeah, he's got all professional, you know, but no, he, he's got to go go get the grow the feathers back. Now, um, Mel Reed uh, from the UK had a win in on the LPGA tour on the weekend. That's good. I, I'm a bit of a Mel Reed fan. I have I don't know why. Uh, I, I just think I just think she's a gritty, you know, campaigner that. Uh, you know, has been there or thereabouts. You know, she didn't make the Ryder Cup, uh, not the Ryder Cup, the uh, Solheim Cup team, but was, you know, one of those uh, assistants that went along with the girls up there. I saw her up at um, Glen Eagles last year and, you know, she was a great team person in that time that I was sort of watching uh, all of that sort of stuff. So I, I, I don't mind Mel Reid. It was good good to see her win. She's had a few decent results uh, in the last few weeks. So she's been up there and thereabouts. Could have, should have maybe won. But um, yeah, if you don't know who Mel Reed is, you know English girl who wears the uh, the, the the flat caps. Uh, yeah, the Ricky Fowler flat bills. Oh no, she she rocks a f- hat better than Ricky Fowler. Uh, you know, <laughs> I love the. Uh, I, I, yeah, you know I'm a fan of the flat bill myself. I've got one on right now from. Um, I know. I know. Uh, the Golfers Journal. So so any any girl yeah. that's going to rock a flat bill out there on tour is going to get my vote. So Mel Reed, well done. <laughs> Uh, the 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 main event for me on the weekend, Rocket, naturally uh, was the Scottish Open at Renaissance. Yes. We discussed that uh, last week that, about the Renaissance Club. Um, pretty How pres- bad was that weather? Yeah, pre- prestigious course down there, and we we gave the uh, in the Golf Rules Questions podcast we gave the commentators of last week uh, in Ireland a bit of a raz because of you know them going on about names and Jazz Jane what and on talking about it all the time and. But and, and they were good, but this week I thought they were great. You know, like obviously Scotland is a destination for the global golfers. Scotland's economy is oil, it's whiskey, it's uh, what's that? What's the drink that I like to drink? Cheapers weeps have gone blank. Well, that orange, <laughs> that fake fancy oh, thing. It's iron brew. <laughs> it's iron brew, and that's a, that's and and it's golf. It's golf tourism. And, and other tourism, but you know the golf tourism is a massive thing, and obviously they've been struggling uh, for golf tourism in the COVID time. So the event sponsored by um, Aberdeen Investments, that have been long supporters of the Scottish Tour, uh, alongside some great names, you know, um, uh, Beanie from uh, North Berwick, the Solheim Cup cap- captain, and um, uh, Paul Laurie, who retired and played his last uh, round on the weekend, you know they've been massive supporters of people like that who have who have given back to Scottish golf, and the coverage, to the my point of the commentators of the area, uh, they did a great job. They really presented that part of Scotland, which is my favourite. Hence, I go on about it a lot, uh, which is East, Lo- East Lothian, just outside of Edinburgh, Musselburgh, um, Aberlady, Gullen, North Berwick, Dunbar. Unbelievable places, and they played at the Renaissance Club, which is a new course. Tom Doak, uh, a few new holes, very exclusive, hard to get. Uh, you can't just rock up there and get a game like you can some of the other courses. But um, nonetheless, they have had the Scottish Open there for the last few years. 
the Savati uh, brothers look after the senior players of the tour that come. You saw probably uh, Pult, yeah, Pulter and um, GMAC <laughs> shacked up together, staying on the 10th tier or the 8th tier, whatever it was. Uh, the, be- the best one was, I don't know if they'd either finished their round or they hadn't started yet, and um, one of the caddies, one of the caddies for um, Adgore, instead of going to the next tee, went and parked the bag on the wrong tee and then everyone's walked past and they took a video of it and they're absolutely just giving him hell from the balcony. And um, and Polka's going, oh, I'm recording this. It's not like I've got any followers. <laughs> and they were just ripping on him for like the next like 100 metres. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, something so simple, but it's just hilarious. He 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 took the P15S out of his caddy all weekend. You know he oh Terry, yeah, he, he's giving him heaps, especially <laughs> on the first night with the the whole thing about the steaks and all the. No, so Terry ate about five hundred million biscuits, and then later on that night sat down and <laughs> ate a whole block of average with Pulter buddy sitting there videoing. Hello, mate. Yeah. Got this on video. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. It's old. But imagine, uh, yeah, just jumping into that, uh, you know, budding up with those guys, you know, G-Mac and Poulter and the two caddies in the, in the, in staying on the 10th tee. What a, it's like a big boys trip for those guys, wasn't it? Oh, it's just funny. It's just funny stuff. It's funny. And Poulter didn't play too bad. He, he performed quite, uh, admirably. Yeah, he did pretty it, well, especially his play, his play on that third day. That was he played really well. Besides him and Robert Rock, you know those two were the standouts. I would yeah. I would say because just to play how they did at in the worst conditions uh, was quite spectacular. If quite you, spectacular. If you only get your golf and tour information from the Roscoe and Rocket podcast, which we're going to try and do more frequently, which I very much doubt, but if you only do, what happened was the weather was. Okay, on the Thursday, it was pretty good on the Friday, and then on the Saturday, oh my it, god, it, it was, was Armageddon. Yeah, it was. Well, it wasn't Armageddon. Like it wasn't Armageddon if you're from Scotland. That's like every fifth day. It was just wet, wet and windy, and you know that's pretty normal to to those guys from that part of the world. That happens, and surprising that they play golf in it. Yeah, but they're not playing for sheep gut stations. No, but. Yeah, that's what you get when you go to Scotland. Yeah, yeah, and that's especially this time of year, September, which is can be pretty nice, but you know can get a bit cool. And but it was horrendous conditions for golf, and I was surprised how many players actually played okay. It's tough. It's tough. Like they, I reckon the guys that played actually every player, I reckon mentally, just getting back to the hotel, the hotel or wherever they're staying, I reckon. I would have been pretty mentally cooked because it's not only thinking about your shot, you're just trying to make sure you keep your gear. You're trying to keep your gear as dry as humanly possible. So you're thinking about everything, not just your shot and what your yardage is. You're just trying to make sure you just keep dry as possible to give yourself the best chance to hit a good shot. Otherwise, damn thing's going to slip out of your hands. Some great footage of uh, Chris Wood, you know, emptying out his shoes there in one of the car parks and bags and 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 you know hair dryers and all the, and and towels just going into pockets. Just Paul, Paul, Paulder had had a hair dryer just stuffed in the top of his golf bag. Yeah. Westy had two hair dryers in his shoes. What what I love about these guys that are getting, you know, towards the the latter stage, well, that's not the end of their career, but the you know they're they're late forties, you know, um, yeah. rest is forty eight, you know, taking his son out to caddy for him and playing good golf, taking you know he's usually got his wife on on the bag now, but it takes his son along, I th- I think that's fantastic, and that's why I like sort of watching these guys and I I, I like supporting them. Oh, and and, and yeah, no, you could see there were certain times where his son was like, he, I don't think he was quite ready for that weather, and there's a few times you could see. You know, Lee just sort of going, hey, you got to do all this, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's what you got to do. That's what you do when you're a dad. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed watching it at Renaissance. Uh, did, you, did you pay much attention to, to the changes that they talked about? No. It was hard to, it was hard to see, but, you know, I could see in a couple of holes. And, and my memory, funnily enough, for uh, golf courses and sort of 
picture-wise, if you say, oh, talk to me about the third at Muirfield, you know, like I'd have to – I'd have to go and look at a picture to remind myself, but I found myself really recalling the Renaissance holes quite vividly, and it was it was actually made it even more enjoyable for me to watch. Um, I could see where they'd taken out a lot of the trees that they talked about, um, but basically the big difference was that they'd you know lengthened it, taken out the trees, um, still fair, but they'd made it a little bit longer and a little bit tougher, and 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 that's was one of the things that I think they were looking for after last year when they. You know, if you remember last year's tournament when um, Bernd Wiesberger, you know, won in the 80, 87-hole playoff. I think, mm-hmm. they, I think they had a play, the, the six, there were six times they played the 18th hole as a playoff. So they, they made some changes and the course I thought was fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, the weather and talking about Dom Azapati and talking about his protege, uh, Lucas Herbert, you know, he was probably the biggest, well, I think he was, I think he probably had the worst round, maybe the, maybe the second or third worst round or something on the Saturday. So, you know, Herbie went from leading on the 36-hole lead, looking great, you know, leading by a couple, playing awesome, and then just got off to this ordinary start and just uh, had eight or – what was it, eight over? Yeah, 79. Yeah, yeah 79 yeah. he had. And yeah, so I, I think the we're, – we're, I felt like the wheels – the wheels started to start spinning in the wet when it was the, which is the short par three, six, seven. Yep. One of those two. Yep. Pin was sort of cut front down the middle. Yep. And it's one of those ones where yeah, there ain't a lot of space and he's just, it's just absolute peach in there. And if it was another, oh, yeah. it spun back a little bit yeah. more or yeah. it was just about a foot the further to the left it would be just stone dead. Yeah, and he ra- but it wasn't, and it just goes hard right down the hill. Yeah, because then that was that would have been that perfect little momentum spinner, because he'd had a he'd had a he'd um his first couple of holes were a bit of a struggle, and um, I can't think what he did on five. I think he birdied five. That was a par five. I think he birdied that one. I thought, oh, okay, here we go. And then he sit that peach and Susan Land, oh, yeah, I'm like this, I'm going, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like it's just, the ball standing there and then you the commentator's going, oh, no. Yeah. And I'm like, what? And then it's like, yeah, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. And no. it was almost like the, you know, it's like that momentum. You just, you just couldn't break the momentum. And then um, I heard his interview where he's like, you know, his umbrella broke like on the back nine and one of those things. Um, but to his credit, like he came out balling on on the Sunday, and you know most you've got to give him kudos. Unfortunately, his back nine wasn't as hot as his front nine, um, but still to finish T fourth after a stinker of a round like that, it'd be very easy to just actually literally chuck the towel in. But he's come out just blazing, and you know. It was it was that court that sort of course where if he's on fire, you know, he can go go low and and he and he did in that last day and it was it was great, you know, like like would you have seen that from, from a Lucas maybe a year ago, two years ago? Maybe not. But I think, you know, he's he's young, he's learning how to do this, he's getting better at doing doing this. You know, he's sixty six in the OWGR now. Um, you know, he's going to Wentworth where he he likes Wentworth this week. Um, well, I, I, I actually will go as far as saying he will be. I think he could be red hot. That's a perfect course for him. Yeah, it's a perfect course for him. He's just moving the ball around. Good short game. Yep, giddy up. I cannot wait. So he's just got a yeah. He's had a couple of bad breaks out of that, but sort of bad break in the Irish Open, you know, double and and could have been, should have been. But that's golf, you know. Like you know, we can't, we don't make a, a living on could have been, should have been. Although he did make a very good living on uh, on the weekend for finishing T fourth and pocketing two hundred and sixty four thousand euros, six million euro purse at the Scottish Open, mind you. Um, it's fairly handy. Oh. Better than getting punched in the neck. Punched in the neck. Did anyone has anyone been punched in the neck, Rockers? Was there something more? I know, there's plenty of people who've been punched in the neck, but I can tell you what, that money is better better than being punched in the neck. Well, I thought something might might have happened, but but the players are on a bubble of sorts. So great to see Herbie up there. Can't wait to see him at 
Wentworth. I actually can't wait to watch that one. I, yeah. Um, golf, golf events this week. Uh, I'm not going to get a lot of sleep because the courses they're being played at, at least two of them, are awesome. We'll finish on that, but I do want to finish on the Scottish Open first, and it would be easy not to, not to talk about the winner because... Two gloves. Yeah. Now, we sort of panned Aaron Rye uh, after the Irish Open. You know, we, we sort of chastised him for not looking like a winner, not going out there in that last round and playing with someone who looked like they wanted to win. Well, maybe he listens to the My Love of Golf podcast, Rocket. I don't know, but certainly on that Sunday, he shot the lights out. You know, I think he had eight under or so, and you know was draining everything. Yeah, him and him and him and the hair they they played really well. Actually, Tommy Fleetwood played really well in the wet, although he's out a bit earlier on the on the on the third day. But he just he held it together, got it done. Um, the yep. Tommy Fleetwood looked looked dusted on day one, but you know sort of grounded out. You know, he, he, he wasn't playing very well, made a score, but yeah. He's putting. He's, Tommy's yeah. putting's killing him at the moment. I went to uh, no, Betty Betty Bye Bye's. Uh, they were on the 17th. You think I would have stayed up to watch the rest of it, having stayed up that long? But I thought, oh, here we go. Robbie Rock, it's going to be a Robbie Rock, Aaron Rye playoff. Turned the phone on on Monday morning, and it's a Tommy Fleetwood, Aaron Rye playoff. Yeah. And Aaron Rye wins. So yeah. Robbie Rock's. Come a guts are on the last. He's chip, yep. chipped it up. You know, people blaming his caddy for giving the wrong instructions to chip it, not putt it. Whatever. Um, still operator error. Yep. Tommy's obviously made a birdie on the last. And then he should have – Tommy should have had it, you know, really two holes earlier where he missed that tiddler on, for, a, for a birdie on the par five, the uh, 16th. He missed heaps. Um, yeah, he missed, I, I watched both yeah. uh, Saturday and Sunday. He missed heaps. Yeah. He missed heaps. Yep. He was hitting the ball so well. It's not even funny. But Aaron Ride, as much as he sort of doesn't give you much, he did look like he wanted to win. Yeah, he 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 wasn't looking at the cameras. He was just deadpan, straight down. He was focused, and he sort of moved up a couple of rungs in in my book. He goes down a couple of rungs after for wearing two gloves. He goes down at. Down oh, another he's got iron covers as well. Down another rung for wearing those sort of boot type golf shoes, like the ones oh, that they how bad were they? The, the the ones that they wear in the winter in Europe, you know, like you know, you, they're, they're like a booty type thing. Uh, and then he's got iron covers. Like, if you've got iron covers out there and we've just offended you, I'm um, I'm sort of sorry, but I'm not. I sell iron covers, and and people, I understand why people want them, but no. Not on tour. No. And, he, and, and he's even got the, the, the clubs texted out. He's got the market, market out. You know, he, hasn't, he obviously hasn't got the nine iron on, on the nine iron. He's got a wedge or something like that. And he's, he's just crossed it out. <laughs> it looks funny. But he's got iron covers. Anyway, if you're a winner on the P, uh, European tour, you can have iron covers. Good on you, Aaron Rye. Me and my golf uh, supported guy, um, he is being coached forever and a day by Andy Proudman, former guest on the podcast. Love love Andy. Andy is a great guy. Uh, has known Aaron since he was four. Coached him since he was about 12. Good on you, Aaron. Wish you all the best. Now, what's coming up that's got you so excited, Rocket? Uh, so next week, obviously, it's BMW Championship at Wentworth. Oh, I love Wentworth because it just reminds me of when they used to have the old world match play. Mm. So September, like, that was the best. That was the best three or four nights of just watching the world match play. Um, Who used to own that? Who was the owner of that event? Was was that Big Ernie's event? Did he did he win that several times? Uh, you had you had Jack had won it a few. Uh, Sevy had won it about three. Shark had won it three in 1980, 83, 86. Um, then then Faldo Faldo. So it's actually tr- almost like. You look at some of the winners, it's just ridiculous. So, especially in the 80s, you would have Seve, Bernard Langer, um, Jack, Greg, um, Baldo, Sandy Lyle. Actually, did Sandy win? I don't think Sandy won. Uh, Woozy. And, and some of the matches, right? You got you got Faldo. I remember one, there was a uh, 
semi-final and you've got Woozy versus Faldo for 36 holes. Like, like you, like very rarely do you get best players in the world like going head to head, and it was an invite only event. So the, the sponsors would just go; these are the players we're picking. They'd always pick the best in the world, and the best would turn up. Um, who else? So early nineties, they had Faldo. Faldo had a bit of a run there for a while in the in eighties uh, and nineties. Woozy. Um, and then Big Earn came on the scene. I think Big, Big Earn through the 90s um, ripped through it a few times. Um, who else? I think um, – I don't think Tiger even played it. Did Monty win that? Did, did Monty get a win there? I think Monty had won. I think he might have. Yeah. I really should have just looked up the winner's list. I'm just going off the top of my head. Well, I can I can yeah. see, I can see that rocket. You know, like if you are listening, your rocket just reels this stuff off for fun. He's like the human almanac of you know, stats <laughs> going back to the seventies, eighties, and nineties. But yeah, I st- I still remember it was just that was one of the best because that one the course was just it's amazing, and you get to see the best players in the world playing match play, like in Heathland, it's mm. just grouse, so grouse. Although I still don't like what they've done to the eighteenth. What have they done? Oh, they put bloody water around it. They've turned Wentworth. It's like the one hole. So even though there were some holes on the course, like in the middle, like like 11, I think it is, and I think it's um, eight or nine, where there's like they've got the little creek sort of running through them, which were there sort of from the start. 18th, I don't know what they've tried to do. It's still par five, but then they've they've – created this lake sort of thing at the front and done this rock wall. So it doesn't actually sort of out of place of the whole course. When the old 18s used to be just this par five with two um, almost like principal nose bunkers that you'd either just sort of lay up, hit short of it or trying to sort of guide a little bit left of it. Um, And then, you know, back in the old days of, you know, long iron into the greens, I think remember one, I think Faldo, Got to hit one iron, one iron into that to like a foot in uh, one of the semi-final matches in like his 1989, I think it was. Because it's just one of those strategy holes, but they just decided to, I don't know, put water in there. Whatever. Doesn't feel right. Well, yeah. it's going to be exciting to watch. Um, tip, you got a tip? Got a tip? I'm going to Herbs. Going Herbie. Oh, yeah. Get on. Strap in, go. Well, I want to be on Herbie, but now you've gone Herbie. I can't go Herbie. Tommy. Ooh, I think he won this a couple of years ago. Mm. I think he'll bounce. Yeah. He'll bounce back. Yeah, he'll sort the yeah. he'll sort the putting out this week. Yeah, and uh, the, locks, bo- the locks will be flowing. The the, the, the the locks and the smile, and you know, down south, back home in England. Uh, yeah, it's just his ball striking is unbelievable. Like. Yeah, it's good. His, his, it's his, so good. It's so his, compact. I love it. His swing and just the power. Anyway, we'll, we'll go on to Tommy. Um, and the girls, you're, you're excited about where the girls are playing. Another PGA, the women's PGA, Hannah Green defending. It's being played Aronomic. Aronomic. Tell us about Aronomic briefly. Uh, another Donald Ross. All right. Uh, and uh, restored by faithfully by Gil Hans again. Just a classic, classic, classic course. Unbelievable. And, again, the beauty is that girls are playing it, so we'll get to see it played for how it's designed. Perfect. Can't wait to see it. That's good. So think of it. Girls uh, PGA in the morning, British PGA at night. What more could you want? And Breakfast golf, whiskey golf. And the guys are playing the Shriners at TPC Summerlin. Yeah. Bit of Las Vegas. Yeah. One the week after is the one I'm getting excited about. But I'll, I'll better keep that one in the chamber. All right. All right. Mate, any other little nuggets of gold before we uh, sign off? Oh, man. <laughs> um, man, uh, Evan Hamling from the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. <laughs> Stinky, yeah, win. <laughs> Stinky Hamling. 
Played really well on the Saturday. <laughs> and for someone that's got a, a master's in, um, I can't remember what he had a master's in, but it means that he should be far in, uh, definitely not believing in superstition and uh, rolls out the, uh, the same shirt, pants and everything <laughs> the next day. Ends up winning in a playoff. I wonder if on the corn ferry tour they can send out for the laundry people to go. Can you just can you can you give these a riz uh, because I want to wear them again in the morning? But uh, oh, I reckon he's probably just dumped that one in the sink and he's probably got the hair dryer out, you know, Alter style. Oh, stinky hair. Like, <laughs> right, seriously, you've you know, you're vying for the you're on the second tier tour of the big biggest golf event in the stage in the world and you. have and you're running out the same shirt and shorts two days in a row? Man, they don't make a lot of money on the Corn Ferry. Yeah, I guess you've got to give yourself every chance if that's what's going to give you the Very give you funny, the though. <laughs> Can you believe it? Anyway. That was it. I think what, that was it. Steve, what, was it? what was his name again? Uh, Evan Harmling. Good on you, Evan. Congratulations on your uh, KFC win. I hope you pick up a... Uh, KFC, that's my line. Sorry, yeah, it is <laughs> Corn Ferry Tour. Sorry, um, I hope you pick I think up. A... They've got they've got one more tournament next week at a course called Panther Lake. Woo! And uh, and I think that's it for them for the year. Yeah, right. All right, very good, Rocket. Thanks for joining us. Been fun as always. Again, unofficially brought to you by Cleveland Classic TA five zero five eight eight Satin. <laughs> uh, yes, and just up there to my uh, to my right, the uh, TaylorMade burner seven degrees, uh, TaylorMade gold shaft X Flex. I think it may have actually belonged to Mac O'Grady. I'll, I'll see if I can ca- uh, qualify that. But it uh, may see, see mine. Oh, actually, no, I got it. It's just it's just over there in the corner. I can't. Yeah. There. Yeah, there we are. There you right go. There. I can see there it. Oh, the, oh, the, yeah, bag, the, but my, yeah, the oh, old there he is in behind the pop filter. There's still room in there for anyone who wants to get on the uh, rocket train and sponsor his tour bag uh, from from TM. Um, uh, that is that is a classic uh, rocket. But um, there you go. I'll turn. Nice. Try, I'll try and nice find out if that, I'll try and find out if that driver was actually belonged to Mako Grady, the great famous Mako Grady yeah. from LA, who or I think may have won the LA Open playing uh, the last round left-handed. He was a right-hander, but could play left and right. But there you go. Yeah, Mac Grady. All right. Thanks for listening. Appreciate your patronage once again, as always. Until next time you hear us on the My Love of Golf podcast. My name's Roscoe, your host, and there's Rocket. Jump over and leave us a review. If you've listened to us, leave us a review. That's one way of getting the podcast in other people's ears. Or subscribe. Someone tells me that subscribing is good. If you want to help, if you want to help, subscribe. It'll keep Rocket. In a podcast gig, he's got a, he's got a he's got a podcast gig now to live up to. He's got you know equipment, got fans got fans to satisfy. <laughs>